unfortunate news that uh, John Glenn, the astronaut, has died from coronavirus complications. He was oh, is that right? A really old guy. I don't know how old he was, but he had to be very old. What was his uh, uh, fame? Was he the first to orbit the Earth? That or? is correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great, great old fellow. Real American hero. That's too bad. Yeah, he was very, very old. Well into his 90s, wasn't he? I had to be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, coming up, uh, L.A. ordered by a judge to remove the bums from under the freeways. Uh, Eric Garcetti is hinting that he won't go along with it or is concerned. And as usual, uh, he says dumb stuff. So stay tuned. Have any of you read the piece Matt Lauer put out yesterday in Mediaite? Going after Ronan Farrow in his book. Whoa, wait a minute. St. Ronan. So I saw this headline over the weekend in the New York Times. I didn't read the story. Matt Lauer saw it, though. The headline in the New York Times over the weekend from a guy named Ben Smith, I think is his name. He's the uh, media... Uh, writer for the New York Times. Is Ronan Farrow too good to be true? Ronan Farrow's the guy who had the goods on Harvey Weinstein when he worked at NBC. NBC uh, wouldn't air the story because they were trying to protect Harvey Weinstein, I think. And Ronan Farrow took it to the New Yorker? Is that where he took it the first? Anyway, uh, it exploded and started the whole Me Too movement. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is Weinstein is now in prison and should be and good for Ronan Farrow for outing him and Ronan Farrow still hates NBC which was is one of the reasons he went after Ma- Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer was also a, a pig who cheated on his wife constantly and had all kinds of affairs. Well, part of the 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 pressures that they were saying NBC was feeling to not run the story was that Matt Lauer stuff. If you sure. do this, we're going to tell tell everybody about your boy Matt Lauer. Sure. Um, anyway, so the New York, and, and then Ronan Farrell wrote a book called Catch and Kill, and, uh, and won the Pulitzer Prize for it just a couple of weeks ago. Wow, yet another, apparently, I won't give away the ending, but another really ridiculous Pulitzer Prize. Is Ronan Farrell too good to be true, was the headline in the New York Times over the weekend. He has delivered revelatory reporting on some of the defining stories of our time, but a close examination reveals the weaknesses in what may be called an era of resistance journalism. Mr. Farrow, 32, is not a fabulist. His reporting can be misleading, but he does not make things up. His work, though, reveals the weakness of a kind of resistance journalism that has thrived in the age of Donald Trump. That if reporters swim ably along with the tides of social media and produce damaging reporting about public figures most disliked by the loudest voices, the old rules of fairness and open-mindedness can seem more like impediments than essential journalistic imperatives. I can't believe the New York Times published this. They're doing it's it remarkable. constantly. Yeah, that's I mean, what they're... they do all day long. Well, is this is this from Lauer's piece? No, this is from the New York <laughs> okay, Times okay. piece over the weekend. Um, is Ronan Farrow too good to be true? And this is what the New York Times has been accused of, including by their former editor, Julie Abramson. Is that Julie what her name is? Julie Abramson. Um, but she accused the New York Times of doing that. Mm. Anyway. Uh, that can be a dangerous approach, particularly in a moment when the idea of truth and shared a shared set of facts is under assault. Uh, so his main complaint is with this era of um, activist journalism. You come up with something that a lot of America is in favor of. As it said there, the loudest voices, the most loudest voices are in favor of. And you run with enough facts that it's true, but you don't do the normal journalistic work. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt Lauer saw that piece over the weekend. Um, and decided to release his own piece. Which he's uh, had for a while, right? Matt Lauer, Why Ronan Farrow is Indeed Too Good to Be True. 
And then editors note there in Mediaite, where they say, after Matt Lauer submitted this piece, a response to Ronan Farrow's book, Catch and Kill, Mediaite editors independently fact-checked the accounts of the four witness subjects Lauer spoke with and cites in this piece, all confirmed in early February that Lauer's account of their conversation was accurate. That, by the way, is the exact sort of journalistic integrity that Ronan Farrow does not have in his stuff. Nor his outlets, apparently. Uh, right. Wow, I, I find myself wondering. I, I'd like to hear some of the things I said about NBC quashing the story because their spin at the time was this reporting was not solid enough. And everybody screamed them down and said, no, 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 you're just trying to protect Matt Lauer, Matt Lauer and, and Harvey Weinstein because you're cowards. Could it be that the story wasn't ready for prime time? Because that's what Mediaite is suggesting, right? True. Or but, both might but be true. Not, but not ready to go. I don't know. Protecting Matt Lauer. He's the biggest star oh, yeah, on all yeah. of NBC. Yeah, both could be true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt Lauer writes, there are four primary ways in which Ronan betrayed the truth in writing his book. This is way into the piece, by the way. He does a long setup about how I did have affairs with all these women. I'm a pig. I'm a terrible person. I did all these things. But I did not rape anybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what Ronan Farrow claims in his book and that, that woman claimed. One, he consistently failed to confirm stories told to him by his main sources. Two, he failed to provide evidence of important communications he alleges took place between accusers and me. Three, he used misleading language to manipulate readers into believing things that could easily be false, or at least unprovable. And four, he routinely presented stories in a way that would suit his activist goals, as opposed to any kind of journalistic standards. In the following examples, I deliberately avoid challenging accusations, which only result in questions of he said, she said. It's impossible to settle those questions in this format. Instead, I focus on flawed reporting in factual areas, factual errors that could easily have been avoided with minimal effort on Ronan Farrow's part and which bring his version of this narrative into significantly different light. What I'm sharing here tightly fits the pattern of journalistic lapses laid out in the reporting on Farrow by the New York Times this past weekend. Hmm. Um, And then, so Matt Lauer goes through these uh, various accounts where, um, I'll I'll just give you one of them. On page 387 of his book, Matt Lauer writes, Oh, that book's that long? Too long. That's a lot of pages, isn't it? Ronan suggests that Brooke Nevels, that's the woman that claims Matt Lauer raped her. They had a long affair, uh, but she claims that he raped her. Ronan suggests that Brooke Nevels' accusations against me are valid because, he writes, Neville told, like, a million people about Lauer. She told her inner circle of friends. She told colleagues and supervisors at NBC. She was never inconsistent and made the seriousness of, of what happened clear. Does Ronan offer any proof of this claim? Does he say he confirmed the story with any of the friends or colleagues she claims to have told about the seriousness of what she now alleges happened in Sochi at the Olympics? That's Mm. where she says she was raped. Yeah, I remember that. Does he include a single comment or quote from a corroborating source of these claims? No, he does not. He also writes, when Brooke moved to a new job within the company, working as a producer for Peacock Productions, she reported it to her new boss there. She felt they should know in case it became public and became a liability. She told her new boss that she'd been raped by Matt Lauer. Does he write that he tracked... Matt Lauer's now writing. Does he write... Does Ronan write that he tried to track down that superior at Peacock Productions? Did he include a quote or comment from that superior? Did he find out if that superior had, in fact, been told about the seriousness of what Brooke now claims? No, he did not. How do I know that? Because I did. It took me 15 minutes to find out who that boss was. I then contacted Sharon Scott, who ran Peacock Productions at the time. I talked to her for three hours. 
and he goes through then what she had to say about it. And no, Brooke never said anything of those those kinds of things wow. about that. And wow. he gives multiple examples of this where Ronan claimed things in his book, um, did not talk to the person in question. Matt Lauer does talk to the person in question. And in one time, he says, this person was not happened to talk to me. It took a long time to get, I think it was an ex-boyfriend of hers, mm-hmm. um, was not interested in talking to me. But I finally got a hold of him and then said these things. And again, Mediaite confirmed all this, got a hold of these people and said, yep, this is what they told Matt Lauer. Yeah. That no, this Brooke woman did not say these things or did not do these things or not send these texts or none wow. of these things. I mean, wow. That is pretty freaking weak. Wow. Oh, Wow. You know, yeah, I don't I, I hate men who exploit and hurt women. Uh, and so I was uh, enthusiastic about uh, listening to Ronan Farrow, honestly. And, you know, Harvey Weinstein is a pig and, and a monster and well, the rest of Harvey it. Harvey Weinstein's a rapist. Right. Matt Lauer cheats on his wife all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But Ronan Farrow obviously has uh, an axe to grind and some problems. Uh, but that's the boy. The Pulitzer Prize is now fully a joke, isn't it? He gets it that sixteen nineteen project that is just rife with half truths and outright untruths. Gets the, it. It'll be interesting to follow. Does he keep his Pulitzer Prize after Matt Lauer? And I went and into this. Yeah. I went into this hating Matt Lauer. I mean, it's not like I have any reason to stand up for Matt Lauer. But it was really well written and long and detailed. And again, the publication that printed the Matt Lauer piece, they took the time to back up what he said. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you get around taking away that Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably be like uh, Comey and Clapper and Strzok and Page and all. Having made that mistake, they'll now try to hush it. Now, Matt Lauer is only one piece of that book. All the Harvey Weinstein stuff is in there. Harvey Weinstein is in prison. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I do. and listen, that's I've often said the mark of a good scam is that it's 80% true. It's it's built mostly on truth. That's how you get people. And it could be there are plenty of things in that book that are 100% true, but it it got witch hunty, clearly. This is a long article by the way. Really really oh, oh, long. Oh, it's linked at armstrongandgetty.com. But if, if you I'm, want to read it. But if I'm Matt Lauer and I got nothing else to do, it's under and, hot links. And most people in the country think I'm a rapist. Yeah. And a guy just won a Pulitzer Prize for claiming I was a rapist, claiming things that just didn't happen. I would probably take a long time to write it. He obviously put an an awful lot of effort into this thing. Let me see if I can find this one part that I thought was really good. Um, Or maybe this was in the the Smith Peets from the New York Times. Um, I'll dig that up. There's one more uh, part that's pretty unkind to uh, Ronan Farrow Mm. in the New York Times portion of this. Mm. You should read them. We have them linked. At armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig that up for the next segment, uh, where we have the uh, dumb stuff Eric Garcetti has been saying, the mayor of Los Angeles, and uh, also uh, we have a problem, I have a problem with a workplace injury. You personally have an injury? I'm going to need an accommodation. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Were you hurt at work? Yes. Mm-hmm. Lawsuit coming. Awesome. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Wow. The first part, not the second part. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Get a quarantine and like I need to get out and 
and a few drinks and jeeps. Man, it getting better than that. Wash them hands for 20 seconds and keep them clean with the Germex. Totally. Law enforcement's definitely made their visibility and made people chill out and not be as crazy. The cops are doing their job as long as they don't be mean to people who are actually being innocent. Then I'm all gravy, baby. Then I'm all gravy, baby. I'll cops are certainly are, doing their visibility. <laughs> Every drunk 21-year-old woman becomes the same drunk 21-year-old yeah, woman. It's just, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Then I'm all gravy, baby. It's a beach Jeep drinking party they have in Texas. Yes. So back on. She's the fifth of Hennessy, girl. And the, and the, what's, I just want to get drunk before everything closes. <laughs> Trying to get drunk before everything closes. Same, totally. Precisely the same pitch. Then I'm all gravy, baby. Uh, let me just pay this off. I hope I'm not wearing you out with it. I, I'm worried about hashtag or uh, activist journalism. That worries me. Yeah. I don't have a dog in this fight with Ronan Farrow and Matt Lauer, really. But uh, activist journalism frightens me that um, if something is going the right direction, as a news story, you just don't do the normal journalistic work. Mm-hmm. But so the New York Times pointed that out, and then Matt Lauer pointed out yesterday about Ronan Farrow. But anyway, this is how the New York Times piece ended. Mr. Farrow has a big following on social media, too, and some of that same tendencies that undermine his reporting show up there. In January, when jurors were being selected for the Weinstein trial, they were asked what they had read about Mr. Weinstein to see if they could serve impartially. Mr. Farrow tweeted that, quote, A source involved in the Weinstein trial tells me close to 50 potential jurors had been sent home because they said they'd read Catch and Kill. That's his book that he won the Pulitzer Prize for. Mm. Mr. Farrow was not in the courtroom that day, and he told me last week that his source stands by that figure. But the court reporter, Randy Berkowitz, told me that he recalled laughing with lawyers and court staff that day about Mr. Farrow's tweet, which he said was ridiculous. And Jan Ransom, a reporter who covered the trial for the Times, was there. The actual number of potential jurors who read the book, according to her, two. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So he's just a liar. Yeah, or exaggerated at the very least. Um, Multiplying something by 25 times to me is a lie. He tweeted out yesterday when the Matt Lauer stuff hit, I stand by my reporting. (laughs) Whatever. And then later he tweeted, all I say on this is that Matt Lauer is just wrong. Catch and kill was thoroughly reported and fact-checked, including with Matt Lauer himself. Okay, well, you're going to need more to explain how Matt Lauer talked to these people that are mentioned in your book, and they say the opposite, and, uh, and you didn't talk to them. And, oh, that's part of it, too. Matt Lauer said, did Ronan Farrow ever call you, talk to you? No. Wow. Well, I would suggest that crazy people, but liars, usually don't just lie once. They lie to cover their lies. It's part of the lying business. <clears throat> uh, speaking of business and, and the pitch of people's voices, um, I, I am starting to develop, to develop fairly serious throat problems from Talking, yelling, whatever, four hours a day. My throat always hurts. My vocal Stop cords yelling are yelling getting... at people. Well, shut. Up! Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's it, by the end of the show, it hurts to talk. Well, that's no good. Yeah, I've never <clears> had that. And it's uh, you know, nobody wants to hear me sing anyway. But it's it's really affected my ability to get the band back together and my enthusiasm for it because I just I don't know if my voice is going to be there. And the problem is the way I talk. I have kind of a like gravelly-ish voice a little bit. 
Um, I am like a soprano in the Tabernacle Choir. Well, see, that's the thing. That's why Jacko, Michael Jackson, talked the way he talked, was to save his voice and to and to uh, keep it high-pitched, too. But yeah. I knew a, a, dad of my, a friend of mine when I was growing up. He was a choir director and a music teacher, um, and a, he had multiple gospel albums out as a tenor. He had a beautiful voice. And he had this odd way of talking. If he was anywhere close to performance, was he and going he would through talk the tra- kind of like this? He was going through the transition. No, oh no, he was he was a regular guy. He was, he liked being a guy, but he talked like this. And I think what I really need to do is talk like this on the show to save your voice. That's right. And you're saving it for what? This is do what you do for a living. I know. But to be able to continue doing it for oh, you, a living. You're afraid you won't be able to talk at all. If I have all. no voice, I'm going to be one of those sign language people in the corner of the screen <laughs> that probably isn't necessary because everybody has closed captioning. <laughs> but I digress. <clears throat> How long do you think you could talk like that to save your voice? In- indefinitely. Think you could do it through the rest of the show? I just don't know if anybody would listen to it. <laughs> I can certainly finish the segment like this. Does it feel better? Can you feel yes. that it is less taxing? Yes. 100%. For some reason, the way I talk and sing, my, my, I've never lost my voice, and I never felt any pain or just tired. I never get tired or anything. Rat-a-tat-tat is my problem. and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And we're back, everybody. It's Jack and the high-voiced guy in the morning. You know, people have always uh, said it's tough to tell you guys apart unless you listen for a while. Wouldn't be if you do that. Wouldn't be anymore. (laughs) No, Joe's the guy who sounds like a eunuch, people would say. So I I never knew in my whole life, I'd never heard that anywhere until you told me that that's the reason Michael Jackson talked that way. I didn't know that was a thing people did. Yeah, many, many people who, who met him said, no, he talks like a grown man. But singers regularly do that? Yeah, to save their voice. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if it's just a certain voice type or, I mean, how Mick Jagger, I don't know that he has ever had throat problems. He was sick recently, but that was a heart thing, right? How can Mick Jagger not have had throat problems his entire career? It's impossible. But he's just, or, you know, Roger Daltrey, who sounds like hell right now from The Who, um, how he sang like he sang for as long as he did is utterly beyond me. So uh, has a doctor ever told you to talk high like that? To uh, save no. your voice? No, I haven't seen an ear, nose, and, th- nose and throat guy in ages. Could I you... probably should. I, uh, I'll i bet you a buck I have nodes on my vocal cords. And if you found that out, what would then, then what do you do? Sandpaper. Yeah. Sand them down. Yeah, that's what you got to hold still, son. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You want the five grit? This is going to sting. Sometimes you need surgery, but uh, oh. I know I should rest my voice more. Okay. And and and. Well, I don't could know. you shut Talk up after more. ten o'clock every day? Or oh, how I'd if you like wanted to. to? Can I brood silently? That's my preference. Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just got to be nice, nicer to my voice. Probably mm. you know, a little quieter. Turn up my yes. Michael. Turn up my mic really, really loud. Make it just kind of. How about I go whispery? Would that be? Disconcerting if I talked like this. Kind of ASMR-y. That, uh, Pardon me? ASMR. Are you oh, that's with that, that wacky uh, YouTube symmetric where it's just over, overly accentuated, quiet sounds, and then you open up a soda next to a mic that's really loud. It's that's to be very for weirdos. soothing for very what strange are you on drugs. What does that stand for? <laughs> um, 
ASMR. So is that the stuff Audio where it's stimulation is, mumps and rubella? Is that, <laughs> is that the stuff where there's like a two hour video of a train going by? No, that's, that's a different. different bizarre YouTube What's phenomenon. That autonomous sensor, autonomous sensory meridian response. Okay, is what ASMR is. Um, okay, so I didn't Welcome know about to that. Joe's one. ASMR channel, and that's just so glad you're here. That's just common sounds. Click on the button below to subscribe. So then, the what's that one s- slow it's like two, th- oh, slow life or yeah? It's got I a remember. name, yeah, and it's yeah. videos of just like yeah, a like train a, ride across Sweden, yeah, the whole thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, which actually sounds kind of appealing to me. I just can't imagine finding the time. Well, that's the point. What's you the slow point? down? Find the time. Oh my God, it's hitting me like a slap in the face. Hmm. I'm looking up also a genre of YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> what isn't? So you said earlier a lot of the things they say are going away forever are not going away forever or are changing forever. Yeah, I people make all sorts of bold pronouncements and dramatic predictions during crises and and most of them turn out to be bunk. True. <clears throat> most um, of them. Not all, all of them. Although I still don't know if I'm ever going to grab a door handle with my bare hand ever again. But anyway, I don't like to think uh, I'm looking up at the TV. Will ball pits for children go away forever? I can see that Probably happening. Probably should. Because we were all going, you, when our kids jumped in those before. Well, anytime they, they put a swab down there and put it on a Petri dish, what grew would terrify a Marine. I mean, every test of those ball pits came back so diseasy. On the other hand, let's not forget, folks, with our hand sanitizer and our washing and our paper towels on the door handle and the rest of it, that's how you get an immune system. Yeah. I mean, if you don't get antibodies to all this stuff, if you do run into them, they'll kill you. Of course, that's kind of ironic since I'm suggesting you run into them and it won't kill you. Well, I'm not a doctor, Jack. (laughs) I'm just a gravelly voice DJ. I wouldn't listen to a single damn thing I say. So, speaking of people who say stupid stuff, you get your mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, who's really made a career of it now. Um, He's also, I admit, in a quandary. A federal judge unleashed an order to move thousands of bums and junkies and homeless people from freeways in law, from, well, overpass and that sort of thing, you know, under bridges and the rest of it, wherever bums congregate. The judge said, you got to move them out of there. But uh, Mayor Garcetti fears it will lead to confrontations with police and endanger the health of the aforementioned bums and junkies and the general population. We're talking about about 7,000 people living near overpasses, off-ramps, and on-ramps. In short, ramps. The order is set to take effect Friday. Today, city and county officials are going to present the judge with plans for how they'll respond. Here's what his honor, the mayor, says. There's, There's ethical issues. Say there are ethical issues. Anyway, sorry. Pet peeve. (laughs) Uh, There are ethical issues, health issues. Then there's just logistical issues. Uh, He told the La Times, I don't know who could enforce this besides a law enforcement officer, and I don't want those images. That's not good for us. That's not good for the people who are traumatized on the streets. So in short, the coppers are going to have to go in and and somehow bulldoze the bum camps and, 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 you know, Send the bums a-running. Now, Garcetti also said the something. The running of the bums could be a new <laughs> annual tradition. 
That is insensitive, sir. Insensitive. Um, the, uh, he also said, uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing now, and I think you'll, you'll know that. You got the bums and junkies, they're all kind of clustered together. What if they go out into all sorts of neighborhoods and a lot of them got the Chinese bat fever? Oh. They might spread it. Right. And well, you got my attention now, Eric. You do, you do make a good point about that. Uh, so anyway, that should be uh, quite the scene watching that unfold, if indeed it does. But the whole, gross, dangerous, bum camps are okay thing, that eh, time is over. You would hope. You would hope. Clean them out. Where should I go? Not here. We're talking about city and county officials have secured more than 3,300 hotel beds. Uh, Only about half of them are occupied for some reason or another. I don't know. You make it too easy for people to be junkies, you get more junkies. Here's a text we just got. I don't know why I'm reading it. Hey, Jack and Jill. Yesterday, you guys did... Is that a shot at my more effeminate speaking uh, style now? I don't know. Hey, Jack and Jill. Yesterday, you guys did a short story on how housewives are attracted to Cuomo, the governor of New York. What did you guys call them? Cuomo coors or something? Uh, I believe the term's Cuomo-sexuals. That's the allegedly clever... uh, did we talk about Term- that? I don't believe we no, did. No, I, I don't remember no, that either. No, I don't remember uh, talking about that. It's entirely possible that it was during a newscast. That was Jack and the Jill. Jack and Jill in middays. That's a different yeah. show entirely. But uh, I'm Jack. I'm Jill. One of the only reasons I read that was a transition into the Andrew Cuomo thing, where I've read a number of different things where, um, why is Andrew Cuomo getting treated the way he's treated with the numbers he's got? In terms right. of deaths and cases. Right. What is the indication that he's doing a good job? What would a bad job look like mm-hmm. uh, compared to that? Yeah. Uh, including, um, and I don't know how fair this is, early on they thought the best thing to do would keep the old people uh, there in the old folks' homes kind of quarantined away from everybody, but they ended up with Clearly. lots of people dying in the old folks' homes. Well, Cuomo ordered that old folks' homes admit COVID-positive people. He's, he made them do it. But just in general, fair or not fair, how is the narrative of he's doing it right grown when they've got the highest number of cases and deaths by far of really anywhere in the world? Because he's a liberal. <laughs> Outside of Wuhan. Doing liberal policy in the world capital of liberal journalists. Journalists, New York. Usually they just, you they have, support the, the, the lockdown. Thing. Usually you have horrifying numbers. You get unfairly blamed for something you couldn't have controlled. But. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? I heard a story the other day. It was a first-person account. Um, and I've got to be really vague here, and, and I will protect everybody's identity. But the long and short of it is um, a person had to talk about the coronavirus with uh, quite a number of people. And the conservative leaners uh, in this interaction were to a person okay cool i get it and the the lefty leaners went crazy and were just beside themselves it has to do with the mindset someday when we fully decode the uh what do you call it the human genome i think we'll understand these things of course that could be like five thousand years from now but there is a sort of person who reacts the same way as as the rest of the people like them, mm-hmm. and they tend to vote a certain way. 
Uh, and it's, it's, it's it, as a student of the human beast. Jordan Peterson talks about that quite a bit, how temperament has much more to do with your political leanings than a lot of other things right. people would assume. Yeah, yeah, we all like to think it's intellect, but uh, although I readily admit that I've always been kind of an iconoclastic loner type, and so I my uh, support for individual rights and the ideas of the Constitution that the individual is paramount, okay, that's kind of my excuse. I'm just, I'm made that way. And I get some of you are very much group people you know it'd be unkind to call you sheep but you need to be in a group all the time you prefer it and and you like rules and you like organizations and stuff like that but yeah part of it's what you're born with sure you got this text oh my god joe saving his voice sounds like the please do not <clears throat> use gendered language breathless please do not tune out during the commercial break please do not use gendered language to c- to address everyone. Please stay tuned for final thoughts. <laughs> it's in the next segment. Armstrong and Getty. The government has declared them essential. The Armstrong and Getty Show. TV reporters doing their thing from a home, including this one. House begins to open up. In Daytona Beach, Mike Springer, Channel 9, Eyewitness News. <laughs> Sorry about that. The Department of Labor issued new safety tips today for taxi cab and rideshare companies to help reduce the risk of exposure to the coronavirus. They include allowing drivers to wear face masks, providing hand sanitizer <laughs> for drivers and customers, also cutting the number of passengers at a single time and installing plexiglass between drivers and passengers. When possible, it also calls for drivers to clean vehicle door handles and services, crack the windows for better airflow. And last month, not investigation. <laughs> wow, that Did part you, toward the end there. The, the that, better airflow part? That was the mom voice right there. Oh, I kind of missed it. Oh, that was, that was Can the... Can you play the very end of it? <laughs> uh, not really. Yeah, okay. That's... That's where it's clear what she's doing right there. And I am <laughs> giving him the look, the mom look. <laughs> Talking with your teeth clenched. Where well, headline ought to be one kid batters the hell out of the other one, apparently. Quit the, uh, the, the, the video is funny, too, because you just see this little tiny head running around in circles <laughs> like around her desk. <laughs> oh, Hold man. On, I, think, here, I think I got this on towards the end. To wear face masks, providing hand sanitizer for drivers and customers, also cutting the number of passengers at a single time and installing plexiglass between drivers and passengers. When possible, it also calls for drivers to clean vehicle door handles and services, crack the windows for better airflow. And last month, not investigation. <laughs> for better airflow. <laughs> Gritting her teeth. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if you know who Dexter Filkins is. He's one of the best international reporters uh, in America. What a great name. Yeah, it is a cool name. He's a cool guy. Dexter Filkins? <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's a real person. And he's always got a suit on and a loosened tie and his tussled hair. He looks like a movie star. Like, I just got back from the Middle East and I'm reporting on He's just Wow. He's got the package. Who does he work for? Uh, the New Yorker. Okay. Anyway, he's got a new piece on Iran that the dispatch says is worth, re- re- worth reading, arguing that amid the coronavirus... Ayatollah Khamenei's regime is being threatened from within the country. Good. He writes, speculation about Khamenei's longevity is rampant in the senior levels of government and the military. The struggle to succeed him has already begun. 
They're going to find a new mullah? He's like the sun and the solar system orbits around him. This is the worry that when you take the sun out of the solar system, you end up with chaos. But so the military leaders and all the higher ups are thinking this ain't gonna last long. What's gonna happen now? Wow, I've got to read that. Ooh-wee. I mean, because the the question of who's actually in charge and who runs around and all nobody knows. You know, getting back to the presidential election <laughs> and any polls and this sort of stuff, who knows what events are gonna be unleashed on the earth before uh, the election? A, a resurgent of a um, 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 a mutated virus that comes back, Iran completely falling apart. Something else with China, North Korea, who knows? Venezuela, something happens with Venezuela. Yeah, the, economy gets, possible, the yeah. economy gets incredibly worse or incredibly better. Right. Um, who knows? What if what if uh, Weird Beard there croaks it on the same week as Fathead in uh, in North Korea? I would suspect foul play. I mean, that would be that'd be a heck of a week, wouldn't it? I mean, the, the, the COVID thing could be over completely by August. A distant and hazy memory. Yep. yep. And God bless the, the people who, who were sick or lost their lives. But over. And then something new and wild happens, and the election becomes about that. Things move so fast now. If we're mostly back to normal, and we've all gotten so used to wearing masks and washing our hands, I don't think that has much lingering effect. Things could be easily mostly back to normal by July. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, you know, something that happened one time. Joe Biden wanders off in his robe and his pea-stained slippers. There, as Jonah Goldberg, it's missing for like a day and a half is found in the woods. As Jonah Goldberg says, anytime Joe Biden's on a stage or open around an open mic, there's always the get these squirrels off of me fear. <laughs> Not a joke. He's going to completely. <laughs> I don't think he's a madman. I just I think he's he's around the bend with age. Get I call him President Tweedy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, obviously that's an exaggeration, but something in that, you know, along those lines. Oh, yeah. Get these squirrels off of me. That's, that's unfair. That's over the top. I don't approve. You know Hey, that, that slaps. I'm going to request that at the club next time I'm out. Uh, that slaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Oh, it was terrible, and it was wonderful. <laughs> now let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is. He presses the buttons. Michelangelo? You know, I really couldn't come up with much of a final thought today, so I'll just say that you know, if you get yogurt and the expiration date is like May 10th, it can probably go to May 17th at least. <laughs> That's some good consumer news there. Positive Sean, our producer. Final thought? It's the 20th. Um, the uh, in, in return regards to the Andrew Cuomo getting good uh, polling numbers despite the the bad numbers in the city. I, I'm reminded of the quote that people don't remember what you do; they remember how you feel. And for whatever reason, when they watch his press conferences, they feel better than when they watch Donald Trump's press conferences. It, 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 independent of the actions they are actually taking. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Jack. Do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, I'm uh, kind of kicking myself. Although I don't know what I would have done differently for finally getting my son out amongst some of his friends and seeing the effect it had on him i'm telling you it was uh it was notable so if you've been keeping your kids clamped down you know for good reasons there's any way to get them with their friends let the kids play let them play send them to the park oh my final thought is uh it's a question have you ever bought anything you regretted yeah me too walmart too uh, just four years ago, they paid $3.3 billion for Jet.com. 
is an e-commerce site. They're going to try to compete with uh, Amazon. Um, they've uh, announced that they're discontinuing it now because their own brand, Walmart, is is a better brand. So they're going to concentrate on. They folded in the talent from that acquisition into Walmart. They just stopped using that name. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out in the future. Now that a lot of people have gotten used to ordering Target and Walmart and stuff the way they used to Amazon. Anyway, we're wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have the links to the articles we talked about. Armstrong and Getty swag. Buy it as a gift. Uh, email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just... Change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? And I think what I really need to do is talk like this on the show. To save your voice? That's right. Armstrong and Getty.